Welcome to the High Now Kitchen, where we're cooking up a new recipe for High Now called High Now Daily. First ingredient, the host you know and love. That's right, mixing local fashion experts, family events, restaurants. But I feel like we need something just a little more spicy. Yeah, I got it. Let's do it live. A whole hour of us going live? Well, that does sound spicy and a little bit dangerous. Hey, it was either that or ghost peppers. Let's do it. Let's go live. Join us for the new Live High Now Daily every weekday at 3 on K5 and KGMB. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Aloha and good afternoon. Welcome to This Is Now. We begin with breaking news. Friends and family are saddened to report the passing of radio and television pioneer Emmy Tamembong. She was 73 years Aloha. old. Aloha, I'm Emmy Tamembong. A spokesperson Welcome says she died Island Monday Lomas. night at the Queen's Medical Center while undergoing emergency open-heart surgery. She was the widow of the late James Byrne, chief judge of the Intermediate Court of Appeals. Emmy, as she was commonly known, was a leader in the Filipino community. She also built a legacy for her work in radio and television in Hawaii. She started out with her own show on KNDI as a teenager and went on to work at other local television stations. Eventually, she would start her own production company, Emmy Tamembong Multimedia Enterprises. As a Farrington High alumna, she also gave back to education both at her alma mater and at the John A. Burns School of Medicine. Details on her memorial are in the works. We'll have more on this story coming up in later editions of Hawaii News Now. And this just in, Missouri prosecutors say two men have been charged with murder in last week's shooting that killed one person and injured 22 others after the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Both adults are charged with second-degree murder and other charges, and officials say both men have been hospitalized since the shooting. The new charges come after two juveniles were detained last week on gun-related and resisting arrest charges. Authorities said more charges are possible, and police have said a dispute among several people led to the shooting. In other news around Hawaii, the search continues for a man suspected of stabbing three people at a Keaomoku club early Sunday. Police are looking for this man wearing a black hat. He is believed to be involved in a fight over a woman. Investigators say he was first attacked by three people, and that's when he pulled a knife. A 28-year-old man was killed in the altercation, and two others were treated for stab wounds and released. HPD calls the establishment where the crime took place an after-hours club. When you're talking about an after-hours club uh, amongst police uh, here in Honolulu, you're basically talking about a, a licensed liquor establishment that is um, open for business past its allotted uh, time for its license. We say it's illegal is not only is it violating its license, but more often than not, uh, there's other vices involved, whether it be uh, prostitution, uh, drugs, uh, gambling. Several neighborhood boards are voicing their concerns regarding the recent violence. Just recently, a massage business right around the corner from the scene was raided on Friday night. And police are not revealing the name of a 17-year-old arrested for murder Saturday in Makaha because he's a minor. They believe the teen was with a group hunting on private property at Ohikilolo Ranch. Officers say that's when a 39-year-old man confronted the hunters about their dogs attacking his cattle, and that's when they say the teen shot him. 
We also learned the teen's suspect's brother has been arrested. 19-year-old Cyrus Isaiah Kalapila Kekawa was booked Monday afternoon for criminal contempt. On the Big Island, Peter Forte has received a five-year prison sentence for his role in the 2009 murder of Casey Smith in Puna. Forte made a plea deal with prosecutors and pleaded guilty to lesser charges in exchange for his testimony against co-defendant Patricia Wong. Investigators say the two tried to make it look like the 21-year-old Smith, a former rodeo champion, had committed suicide. Wong was convicted of murder and four other charges late last year. She'll be sentenced next Tuesday. Also on the Big Island, a 29-year-old woman was found dead in waters off Keaau on Sunday. Police are investigating it as a possible drowning. At around 2 a.m., authorities responded to the sea cliffs off Beach Road and Paradise Drive after the woman reportedly slipped off the cliff into the water. A 31-year-old man who was with her tried to rescue her by throwing out a flotation device, but the woman was pulled out by the ocean's current. Search crews found her body at around 8 a.m. Sunday. Foul play is not expected. Russia may soon be paying an economic toll for the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Now the battle over more funding for Ukraine is playing out on both Capitol Hill and the campaign trail. Skylar Henry has the latest. The Biden administration says it's preparing new actions against Russia following the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny in a Russian prison. I told you we'd be announcing sanctions on Russia. We'll have a major package announced on Friday. The sanctions are also tied to Russia's war against Ukraine, and the tide is now turning in Russia's favor as Ukrainian troops had to retreat from a city in the eastern part of the country. The Biden administration says they were forced to withdraw because Ukraine is running low on ammunition. Biden has called on lawmakers to pass billions of dollars in aid for Ukraine, but the effort has stalled out in Congress. The House left for a two-week recess without taking up the bill to support Ukraine. Former President Trump's allies in the House have pushed back hard against any aid for Ukraine. Though House Speaker Mike Johnson has insisted Congress won't abandon Ukraine. He met with the former president at his Florida home Monday. Congress is too divided and broken to do its job. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley has zeroed in on Trump's national security issues as she tries to gain traction in the two-person race for the GOP presidential nomination. He's all but said he's going to abandon Ukraine. That's a massive gift to Vladimir Putin. Haley is far behind Trump in the polls, just days before the GOP primary in her home state of South Carolina. But she insists she is staying in the race no matter what happens Saturday. <laughs> Meanwhile, Trump is holding a town hall and a fundraiser in Greenville, South Carolina today. Skyler Henry, CBS News, the White House. We're just days away from the upcoming South Carolina GOP primary, and Nikki Haley continues to trail former President Trump in the polls. Garrett Hockey is in Washington with the latest. With four days to go until the South Carolina GOP primary, Nikki Haley's fighting an uphill battle against former President Trump on her home turf, arguing Republicans will be doomed in November if they hand Mr. Trump the party's nomination. Donald Trump can't win. Everything he touches, we lose. How many more times do we have to lose before we say maybe he's the problem? Haley is seizing on Mr. Trump's first public comments about the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. I don't know why he keeps getting weak in the knees when it comes to Russia. With the former president on his social media site comparing Navalny's sudden death to his own legal problems. 
and making no mention of Russian President Vladimir Putin, who Western leaders are widely blaming for Navalny's death in Russian custody. Also in the spotlight, Mr. Trump's recent remarks that he would encourage Russia to attack NATO allies unwilling to meet defense spending goals. I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. Haley slamming those comments. He sided with a dictator who kills his political opponents. Echoed by President Biden's campaign in a new digital ad. Every president since Truman has been a rock solid supporter of NATO except for Donald Trump. Targeting some 900,000 Michigan voters with roots in NATO border states. Voters like Andy Ledeck, a U.S. Army veteran who immigrated from Poland as a child and finds Mr. Trump's NATO remarks disqualifying. I was appalled. For someone like the, a former president of the United States uh, to say something like that is, is beyond the pale. Some state lawmakers think getting caught with 50 marijuana joints should be punishable by a citation that costs less than a parking ticket. However, our Daryl Huff says that bill likely won't survive after stirring strong debate in a House committee. I urge members, take a deep breath, it's okay, and vote yes. House Judiciary Chairman David Tarnas implored Democrats to support his bill, HB 1956. It would change the law to allow users to carry up to an ounce of marijuana and face only a non-criminal violation and $25 fine. It easily passed his committee, but ran into serious opposition on what should have been a slam-dunk vote to pass it to the next committee. Representative Souza. No vote, thank you. So ordered. Representative Kong. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. No vote. So ordered. Representative Keela. No vote, Mr. Speaker. One ounce is a lot of mar marijuana. One ounce is about 50 to 60 joints. I'm concerned about what we're saying to our youth. We, we're looking at a, our vaping epidemic. We can't get that under control by saying that this up to a, an ounce is decriminalized, ultimately saying you're not going to get in trouble other than a $25 fee. But it leads to many different things, and there's many people died fr from um, illegal drugs on the street. Pro-cannabis reformers say Hawaii is now behind many states with laws that unnecessarily put people in jail. With this decriminalization, I think that we can also take away the enforcement issues that we're facing at HPD with going after all of these other crimes. If we take cannabis off of those that list, they can focus on the hardcore drugs. Jailing people for smoking a plant is what destroys lives. Keeping people in jail, continuing to, to detain them is what destroys families. Critics say there are few people jailed for simple possession alone. The bill would also make it no longer a crime for a person under 21 to provide drug paraphernalia like a vape pen or pipe, even to someone underage. The attorney general fought that at the bill's hearing. What we're afraid of is 18, 19, and 20-year-olds being able to freely distribute drug paraphernalia to, to much younger children, 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds, and basically proliferate the use of this drug paraphernalia by a much more vulnerable group of users. If we were to take a harm reduction approach to dealing with our substance abuse issues within the state, in fact, this is the best thing we can do, is to decriminalize cannabis. But after 14 members, a third of the House voted against just moving the bill to the Finance Committee. Leaders may decide the marijuana issue is too big a distraction in a year that the Maui disaster demands their full attention. Daryl Huff, Hawaii News Now.
Lawmakers are calling for significant changes at Hawaiian Electric in exchange for letting the utility charge a new fee to customers. The strategy is called utility securitization, and it's common practice among power companies in need of increasing their cash flow. That fee would raise money to deal with wildfire costs. The company faces substantial liabilities related to the Maui wildfires, which destroyed much of Lahaina and killed at least 101 people. You can read more on the issue in the full article on civilbeat.org. Meanwhile, more than 1,500 families have left Maui since the wildfires. That figure comes from the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement, and it's the first time we're hearing how many families have left. Mayor Richard Bisson says 5,400 families were displaced by the fires, so the number represents more than a quarter. In this moment, we are still in a crisis. We are still in an emergency. We need to get people housed so they can find stability, so they can return to some degree of normalcy. But I'm not surprised. I think that's a very small number. I think over time, um, the number will grow because there is no long-term housing opportunity for many people. Bisson says because of new tax incentives, there have been 1,560 conversions from short-term to long-term rentals. CNHA says it's housing 700 displaced survivors and hopes to have 34 units built by March or April. Now to our continuing coverage on housing in Hawaii, our Emily Cristobal recently spoke with you heroes Justin Tindall on the debrief to discuss the impact of short-term rentals on Hawaii's housing market. In today's episode, we are taking a deeper dive into our discussion on housing. In January, Governor Josh Green put an emphasis on Hawaii's housing needs in his State of the State address, focusing on recovery in Lahaina. He even expanded on his plans to target short-term vacation rentals more broadly across the islands, saying they are artificially inflating the cost of housing and displacing residents. In the address, Green announced a new program, House Hawaii's Ohana that would offer tax exemptions to a short-term vacation rental owner who sells their property to a local family or to someone who turns the home into a long-term rental for locals. He pledged to kick off the program this fall if the proposal is approved by the legislature. Meanwhile, the housing crisis has contributed to an alarming exodus of residents in recent years, which onlookers say is only forecast to worsen in the wake of the Lahaina disaster. Maui and Kauai in particular are just way, you know, out of proportion to any other market in the U.S. in terms of the impact of vacation rentals. Just an enormous amount of housing is tied up in vacation rentals. Um, you know, I was looking at recent updates to this data, you know, since the fires. So, you know, in the fires in Maui, we saw uh, a pretty sharp drop off in listings, you know, right after the fires because of you no know, tourism and legal barriers to having uh, vacation rentals. But in the last few months, it's rebounded almost entirely. So it seems like we've lost about 300 vacation rentals, you know, directly in the fire affected areas. Um, but uh, there's really been no drop in other places in Maui, right? So the, the total amount of vacation rentals in Maui has really recovered almost entirely, which is, you know, uh, pretty interesting and, you know, uh, feeds into these conversations on uh, the role of vacation rentals in uh, remedying, you know, solutions for fire survivors, right? It's, it, we still have a huge supply of vacation rentals on Maui that, uh, that could be used for long-term rentals, potentially. 
Governor Green said on average, short-term rental properties can make four times what they would if the property was simply rented to a local family. As an economist, what do you think the likelihood is of owners actually following through with the plan that the governor proposed if they make that much money? Is the tax exemption enough to convince these owners to sell? Right. Probably not for the typical owner who is running a vacation rental, right? So, you know, if, if it's true, you know, the, the typical income they take is four times as much, we're going to need a pretty, you know, seismic shift to convince people to shift into the into the long-term market. You know, I would throw out that, you know, a more direct way to, to target uh, this issue would be to increase property taxes on uh, vacation rentals. So, you know, on Maui and elsewhere, we already charge differential property taxes based on owner-occupier or short-term rentals, right? So if we just, you know, significantly increased property taxes on short-term rentals, this would provide the, the incentives for people to get out of that market and get into, you know, make it available to an owner-occupier who would pay very low rates or a renter who would, uh, you know, pay lower property tax rates. Um, so I think that seems to me to be the more direct policy solution. You can watch and listen to more of The Debrief at hawaiinewsnow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Emily Cristobal for Hawaii News Now. Looking toward the ocean now, it's whale watching season here in Hawaii. Our Casey Lund takes a closer look. Tour operators like Ocean Outfitters, the folks we went out with today, say it's been an active whale season, but they've been met with some challenges too. Rough winter weather means cancellations, but we got out there today and the conditions were just perfect. Even when we couldn't spot them with our eyes, Captain Kevin Wilson assured us they were there. An underwater microphone told the story of an active habitat beneath the surface. Ocean Outfitters' Jen Murphy says days like this have been few and far between. It's beautiful today, so nice and flat. And uh, how has the season been for you folks so far? It's been rough. There's been a lot of storms lately and we've had a lot of like cancellations and stuff, but we've had these nice little pockets of clear, beautiful, smooth conditions like today. It's not just tour operators that benefit when the whales are here and happy. Of course, they're an important part of our ecosystem, and that's something NOAA and its partner agencies work tirelessly to protect. The humpback whales come to Hawaii um, because it's their primary breeding, calving um, grounds for the winter season. And of course, they migrate back to Alaska for their feeding grounds. Um, as for what they're happy with, of course, I'm sure they would prefer not being bothered. The Hawaiian Islands Humpback Whale National Marine Sanctuary had its annual count just a few weeks back on January 27th. 400 volunteers gathered data from the shores of Kauai, Oahu, Molokai, and Hawaii Islands. During that count, in just one 15-minute time period, those volunteers spotted more than 300 whales from the shorelines across the state. You know, there is a lot of whale activity, a lot of whales sighted all across the different islands that participate in these counts. And, you know, there is also even a lot of fun um, other species seen. I know there is a Hawaiian monk seal at a few other sites, um, of course, our whole new Hawaiian green sea turtles and a lot of other things. But for activity wise from humpback whales, quite a lot of activity. So that was really good. Now there is another whale count coming up on February 24th. If you'd like to volunteer for that, we have information online at hawaiinewsnow.com. Thank you so much, Casey. Ash, do you see any whales in this shot? Not in this one. Not <laughs> Probably in, not not. in Honolulu Harbor. Not in Honolulu Harbor, but if there were, that would be a sight to see. Aloha Tower right there in the lower left-hand corner of your screen. Beautiful day. Stick with us after this short uh, break. Guy Hagi will have your full forecast.
How's it in Aloha on this Tuesday? Our weather hasn't changed very much, or is it going to change very much over the next several days? The big change today, this approaching front is pushing away the trade winds. The overall weather pattern is not going to change, but the winds will run lighter today. Might feel a little warmer finally. And we do have a few spotty showers this morning, but overall it's still mostly dry. A little bit of a cloudy start to the day, though. And you can see the winds mostly in single digits, a little windier over on Kauai. But the winds are in the process of slowing down. The winds will be running out of the east-southeast today at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. And what we see today will go largely unchanged through Thursday. A cold front bringing some changes on Friday in through the weekend. And as far as the surf, it's going to be rising in the afternoon for north and west shores. It's not a big swell. It's a below advisory level swell. But the good thing is that with those lighter winds, conditions should be pretty good for north and for West Shore, so heads up on that. So those uh, light east-southeast winds take over today. They'll hold through Thursday, and then a cold front drops in with stronger winds. More clouds, more showers shaping up for the weekend. The latest in a series of wet winter storms barreled California overnight, bringing floods, mudslides, and even tornado warnings to a state already saturated with water. Liz Cruitz has more. Hey there, yeah, it continues to rain down on us here in LA. And just for some perspective, Los Angeles has seen 75% of its average annual rainfall just this month in February, the month not even over yet. And that heavy rainfall is leading to major infrastructure issues all up and down the state. I'm in the Hollywood Hills right now in the famous Mulholland Drive, where a part of this road is now closed off after it caved in from a massive landslide. And you can see pictures overhead of this dramatic landslide. It's an issue we're seeing all across the state, mudslides, landslides, dangerous driving conditions, people trying to drive through flooded water. Somebody have to get uh, rescued yesterday in Santa Barbara from trying to get through some rushing waters. Also near Santa Barbara, dramatic images of these iconic palm trees at the Refugio State Park, just north of Santa Barbara, collapsing into the ocean. The combination of eroded beaches and also the, the saturated soil, just making them uprooted, collapsing them into the ground. And that's what we're seeing here. The rain persists. That said, the conditions are easing here. More rain, though, on the way, and uh, the threat from more landslides, more landslides, very real in the coming days. Back to you. In today's Good News Now, how did $7 worth of money end up in the stomach of an alligator? It's definitely not the kind of diet that caretakers want for their animals. CNN's Jeannie Mose has the story. He may look like a happy gator, but his keepers at Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo weren't smiling. They found this x-ray hard to swallow. How many coins are we talking here? How much money did he eat? It was about 70 coins that we were able to, to pull out of his stomach. The 36-year-old white gator is one of the zoo's stars. Thibodeau, seen here getting his x-ray, had to be fully knocked out with anesthesia to retrieve almost seven bucks worth of coins. Using an endoscope with a camera, here's the before and after. Did you keep the change? Yes, uh, so we did keep the change. But why were all those coins tossed into his enclosure? Ugh, humans are the worst. People are just plain morons. How can I put this politely? What is wrong with people? Nebraskans are my family, so again, it's just uh, trying to educate people. Educate them not to bombard the gators with coins to get them to move. 
perhaps aiming for their mouths. Who was the idiot that thought an enclosure for animals was a wishing well? Note, this is not a fountain. The fountain's on the right. Three coins in the fountain. We're talking 70 coins in the gator, who, by the way, seems fine. Now they're screening and finding coins in nine other gators as well. Just one wish will be granted. And the wish is, keep your dirty pennies and nickels out of my swamp. Genie Mouse, CNN, New York. Well, moral of the story there, don't feed your gators it's coins. Terrible yeah. people. Come on, they're animals, guys. It's not a wishing well. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Aloha. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground, and Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Now that we're airing High Now Daily Live every day, let's tell everyone where they can find us. Okay, for starters, we're live on TV on K5 and KGMB. YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Streaming Live. Wait, does that mean Roku? Live. You're kidding. Apple TV? Live. Okay, what about Amazon Fire? Live. Even the h and <laughs> Live. Crazy. Plus, we're turning it into a podcast so people can listen while they're on the go. That's right. We'll keep the energy up, and we'll see you there. Join us for the new Live High Now Daily, weekdays at 3.